Welcome back to our study of the Psalms. We are in Psalm 1 today. In our previous session, we looked at some ancient wisdom for reading the Psalms from Athanasius and his letter to Marcellinus. In this session, we're actually going to start digging into the Psalms themselves. And as we do that, we're going to look for uh, the kinds of things we've been talking about. Namely, we're going to look for how does this psalm tie into the story of Israel? We're going to look for how does this psalm point to Jesus? How is it fulfilled in Jesus? And we're going to look for what does this psalm say to us? What does it teach us? How does it encourage us or warn us and so on? So that's what we're going to do today in Psalm 1. Now, of course, Psalm 1, as the first psalm in the book of Psalms, has a special place of significance. It is a beautiful psalm. It is a brief psalm. It's a powerful psalm. It's a psalm that's had a special place in my life for a long time, and uh, I'm eager to look uh, into it with you in this session. So let's dig into Psalm 1, which says this, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither, its leaf does not wither, and all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Now, how does that psalm tie into the story of Israel? We saw before that the five books of the book of Psalms, uh, they describe or, or connect to uh, the story of Israel, particularly from the time of David and his suffering to the return from exile. But this psalm takes us further back than that by starting with the word blessed. And it's significant that that's not only the first word of Psalm 1, it's the first word of the whole book of Psalms, blessed. That word takes us all the way back to the beginning in Genesis. In Genesis chapter 1, when God created the heavens and the earth, and he, uh, he blessed his creation, right? He said that the whole world, everything that he had made was very good, and he blessed in particular the animals, and he blessed the first man and the first woman. So God created the heavens and the earth, and everything that he made was good, and his blessing was upon his creation. But of course, when Adam and Eve sinned, then came the curse, right? The ground was cursed uh, because of their sin. There's thorns and thistles and so on. And so whenever this psalm says, uh, blessed is the man, it's telling us this is the kind of man that God is going to give the blessing that he gave at the beginning of creation that was lost in the fall, right? was lost because of sin. And not only that, but also in Genesis, we are told how God is going to restore his blessing to the earth. In particular, that he's going to do that through the family of Abraham. So when he calls Abraham in Genesis 12, he tells Abraham that he's going to give him offspring. He's going to give him land, the land of Canaan. And he's going to bless him, and not only him, but he's going to bless those who bless him. And through him, he's going to bless all the families of the earth. So God's plan, as others have pointed out, 
uh, and it's right, of God's plan for restoring the blessing that was lost because of sin is to do that. His, his way that he's going to do that is through the family of Abraham, which, of course, ultimately means through Jesus. But the blessed man of Genesis 1 is the kind of man who receives the blessing promised to Abraham and through Abraham, the kind of man who experiences uh, some taste of the blessing God gave to his creation back in Eden before the fall. And we see even more of that uh, connection when in verse 3, this blessed man is described like a tree planted by streams of water that's fruitful. That's also an Eden kind of image, right, of this fruitful, abundant tree uh, nourished by all these streams of water. One commentary pointed out how um, Eden was watered by four different rivers, so that imagery all plays in here as well. So Psalm 1 is about the kind of man who experiences the blessings of creation, uh, the blessings that God gave before the fall, uh, at least in, at some level, right? And the blessing that God promised to restore to the world through Abraham. So the blessings of Abraham and Eden belong to this kind of man. Right, so what kind of man are we talking about? What kind of man is blessed? Well, it also uh, ties, this also ties into the story of Israel's leaders, particularly Joshua and the kings of Israel. So when God says, this is the kind of man that is blessed, the kind of man who delights in the law of the Lord and on his law, he meditates day and night. That reminds us of what God said to Joshua in those famous words in Joshua 1.8, where God said, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. So both the idea of being prosperous and the idea of meditating on God's law day, to, day and night, those echo Joshua 1.8 in Psalm 1, when it says that he's the blessed man delights in God's law and meditates on it day and night, and when it says that he's like a tree and that in all that he does, he prospers. All those are links back to Joshua 1.8. So the blessed man of Psalm 1 is the kind of man that God told Joshua to be. Kind of man who loves God's word, who meditates on God's word, and as a result, prospers, right? has a godly, fruitful, faithful life. It also, this psalm is also rooted in God's instruction for the kings of Israel that he gave in Deuteronomy 17. Now, in Deuteronomy, there weren't any kings yet. Moses was still alive. Joshua hadn't even taken over yet. And we certainly hadn't gotten to the period of the kings which came even after the judges, which came after Joshua. But ahead of time, God told his people, when you have a king, this is the kind of person your king is supposed to be. This is what your king is supposed to do. And here's part of what God said. When he sits on, his, uh, on the throne of his kingdom, he shall write for himself in a book a copy of this law approved by the Levitical priest. So he's supposed to write out the books of Moses, it sounds like, at least the book of Deuteronomy, probably the whole Pentateuch, the whole first five books. And it shall be with him, and he shall read in it all the days of his life. That sounds a lot like 
meditate on it day and night, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God by keeping all the words of this law and these statutes and doing them, that his heart may not be lifted up above his brothers, and that he may not turn aside from the commandment, either to the right hand or to the left, so that he may continue long in his kingdom, he and his children in Israel. So continuing long in his kingdom sounds like that he'll prosper, right? That he'll be blessed. So this psalm also is rooted in God's word to the kings, God's word to Joshua, as well as the promises to Abraham and the blessings of Eden before the fall. So this psalm goes back before David, although there's a tie to David, of course, as well, with the with God's instruction to the kings being echoed here, but also goes back to the very beginning in Genesis to, to the blessings of Eden and the, the blessing promised to Abraham. Now, how does this psalm then tie into Jesus, or how is it fulfilled in Jesus? So we see how it ties into Israel's story. How does it tie into Jesus and who Jesus is? Well, Jesus told us, remember, that the Psalms are fulfilled in him. He said that very plainly in Luke 24. That begins with Psalm 1. Right? Psalm 1 is fulfilled in Christ and is ultimately about Christ. Think about it like this. Who is the most blessed man? It's Jesus. Who most perfectly delighted in God's law? Jesus. Who, more than anyone else, meditated on God's word day and night. Jesus. And somebody has pointed out that when Jesus was tempted by Satan in the wilderness in Matthew 4, each temptation that Satan brought to Jesus, Jesus responded to with scripture, right? But someone's pointed out, each scripture that Jesus responded with was from the book of Deuteronomy, indicating or suggesting at least that Jesus was probably meditating on Deuteronomy while he was there in the wilderness. And did everything that Jesus did prosper, right? Did he prosper in all that he does? Absolutely he did. He even prospered in his death because his death provided salvation with, with his death and resurrection, right? He secured forgiveness, eternal life, reconciliation with God. Even what looked like his defeat actually was his work prospering, accomplishing exactly what God sent him to do through his death and resurrection. And Jesus is the ultimate king whose reign has no end, right? If Psalm 1 is echoing that charge to the kings in Deuteronomy 17 so that their reigns would last, how much more is that true of Jesus, who is, yes, the king of the Jews, but also the king of kings, and whom the angel told to Mary that not only would he inherit the throne of his father David, but that his kingdom would have no end. There in Luke chapter 1, verse 32 and 33. So this psalm is fulfilled in Christ. It ties into the story of Israel. But what does this psalm say to us? How does this psalm instruct us, warn us, encourage us? Well, first of all, this psalm tells us that there are two ways. The two ways that we can go. And it warns us against going one way and encourages us to go the other way. So it says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. So that's one way you can go, but not if you want to be blessed. Instead, the other way that you must go if you do want to be blessed is to be the kind of person who 
delights in the law of the Lord and meditates on it day and night. Later, it says that the, the one who's blessed, who meditates on God's word, he's like a tree. But the wicked are not like a tree. They're like chaff that the wind drives away. The tree is solid, stable, fruitful. Chaff is dry, empty, worthless, and just gets blown away. Those are the two kinds of people you can be. Those are the two paths that you can take. And the psalm encourages us, of course, to take the path of blessing. We want to experience God's blessing. But we want restored to us what was lost in Eden, which can be partially restored in this life and will be fully restored in the life to come after Christ's return for all those who belong to him and trust him. That's what we want. That's what this psalm is telling us is, is offered. But it also tells us it's, it's given to a certain kind of person and it's withheld from others. It's not received by those who walk in the way of sin. Notice it also says that it also indicates that sin is a snare. Notice the progression or regression, really, in verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. First you're walking, then you're standing, then you're sitting, as you become progressively comfortable, um, progressively um, more rooted in the ways of sin and ungodliness. Don't walk in it, don't stand in it, don't sit in it. Avoid the snare of sin, right? Avoid the ways of the ungodly. Instead, the way of blessing is for those who delight in God's word, who love it, who enjoy it, who embrace it, who spend time in it. Meditate on it day and night. What does that mean? What is meditating? Biblically, meditating is something like muttering or mulling things over, right? The, the, when you're uh, memorizing a passage of Scripture, right, and you kind of quietly say it to yourself, that's a kind of meditation. That's what the Bible is talking about. When you're reading it over and pondering it, thinking about it, that's meditating. You're filling your mind with God's Word. Uh, I remember a long time ago hearing somebody say that uh, meditation is like marinating. Right? You're soaking in something so that it, it becomes a part of you, so that it shapes you, so that the, the flavor of Scripture, as it were, uh, just kind of rubs off of you, right? that people can tell that you've been spending time in God's Word. So meditate on it. Think about it. Ponder it. Ask questions. Uh, you know, study. Memorize. All those things. Meditate on it day and night. That doesn't mean that's the only thing that you do, but it's a, a frequent, consistent part of your daily life. So do you want to be like a tree or do you want to be like chaff? That's what, that's what the psalm is asking us. Do you want to be like a fruitful tree or do you want to be like a worthless piece of chaff? No, nobody wants to be chaff. Right? We want to be like the tree. We want to be stable. We want to be fruitful. How do we do that? When we do that by being nourished, by constant exposure to and meditation on God's Word. Um, that commentary, I think, same one I mentioned before, suggested that the, uh, or one of them anyway, one commentary I read mentioned that these rivers probably represent the nourishment that God's Word brings 
to us, right? It's just like when Jesus said that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. There, scripture is compared to bread. Here, it seems to be, uh, the imagery seems to be that of water, right? Giving us nourishment. And then it's, it warns us to beware of the end of the wicked. Right? The way of the wicked will perish, it says. Um, that they will not stand in the judgment. Uh, they will not uh, be numbered among the congregation of the righteous. Right? Their end is not good. That's not what we want. So it warns us against that. It encourages us to pursue the path, the path of blessing, which comes through a love for God's word. So how do we pray this psalm? How do we sing this psalm? What do we do with this psalm? Once we've studied it, we've meditated on it, we kind of know what it's saying about Israel's story and Jesus and what it's saying to us. Well, here, here's some things we can do. We can celebrate how blessed Jesus is. Right, that he is the only man who never walked in the way of sinners or sat in the seat of scoffers. We can celebrate that God, or that Jesus delighted in God's word, that he meditated on it, that he is the most perfect, most fruitful, most abundant tree, that he uh, gives uh, life, right? that he is a source of life for us, as we'll see in just a moment. We can ask for wisdom to avoid the way of sin. We can ask God to renew in us a delight in his word. Pray and ask him to help you not just read the Bible because you know you're supposed to, but also more than that, to love it, to delight in it, to enjoy it. Uh, ask him to make you fruitful, right? And think about how these, uh, these things connect, both what it says about Jesus and what it says to us, if Jesus is the most blessed man, how then can we be blessed? Well, through our connection to Jesus. Right? Notice what Jesus says. These are probably familiar words to you from John 15, but think about them anew and afresh with Psalm 1 in the background. Right, here's what Jesus says. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. But we want to be a fruitful tree, Psalm 1 says. We need to meditate on God's word day and night. Be connected to God's word. You want to be fruitful, Jesus says, you've got to be connected to me. You can't do anything apart from me. But when you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. What's the connection there? Well, Jesus, of course, is the word of God. And the scriptures are about Jesus, and Jesus is called the word in John 1. So the more we meditate on God's word, the scripture, the more that we meditate on Jesus himself, the more we abide in him and know him, the more... By our connection to him, we will be fruitful. We will be blessed. We will be the kind of person that Psalm 1 describes because we've been connected to the ultimate Psalm 1 man, Christ himself. God bless.